Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. my god are we live is this working hello renee can you hear me i could hear you perfectly fine what's going on blake yo it is good to be talking to you live in person normally we do like 30 takes of our episodes which is why they're so (laughs) concise (laughs) right and we just practice practice now we're just off the cuff for the first time ever right no this is a lot of fun uh Hello, everyone. Um, At least those of you who decided to catch us directly on time. Um, We are just testing this live streaming for the very first time, Um, something that we kind of concocted earlier in the week, saying given that Avatar was such a big release and, you know, Blake and I started talking about, remember back in the day when they did those midnight first time showings like it was like a thursday well technically friday midnight early morning right um and then obviously blake pointed out well movie theaters need more money and all that stuff and so they started moving up that they used to call it the preview night so they started moving up the the showings of the preview nights to like seven o'clock you know sometimes nine o'clock now you get to see movies at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, and right. it's still considered a preview night showing or whatever the case is. But yeah, so we kind of came up with this like, hey, let's do like a midnight movie time kind of live stream of Avatar, and we could do like a, a live review and reaction of the movie because Blake and I just uh, saw it uh, not that long ago um, because it's a over three hour long movie. <laughs> <laughs> I literally um, came straight home and it was like, all right, we got to talk. It's almost right. midnight. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely, definitely interesting. But yeah, thank you for those of you who are watching right now. Um, if you are new to the channel and you're new to seeing uh, uh, these two knuckleheads over here on video, um, Blake and I, we do a movie time podcast that is, uh, goes live once a week. It's usually pre-recorded and we usually talk about whatever the latest movie that came out was that week. Um, this time, you know, obviously we're talking about the big movie release of the week, which is Avatar, uh, Way of Water, uh, which is the, the, the last big movie of the year. Um, you know, this is like the la- last big blockbuster film. And interestingly enough, there's no competition. Usually in a normal year, pre-pandemic and all that stuff, you have at least Disney has something out around this time that's major. Um, Maybe if the year was right, you have a Marvel film or a Star Wars film. Back in the day, Harry Potter used to be big around this time. Um, But right now, Avatar is the only movie that's really happening at the moment. So uh, obviously there's a lot of people that have been eagerly anticipating this movie to come out it's been 13 years in the making kind of 
Um, and it's James Cameron's uh, follow-up. I mean, he hasn't done anything since the last Avatar, so his life has been fully dedicated in this uh, franchise. And uh, yeah, so obviously we are dying to talk about it. So if you like what you see, I'm going to go through the YouTube spiel right about now. Obviously, it doesn't cost you a thing. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Um, if you are looking for an audio format of this episode, maybe you want to uh, listen to it later on. Maybe you can't join in on the full fun or whatever the case is. Just search for Loki Geek on your podcast platform of choice where you can download this episode and many others. Uh, the Super Chats are live. So if you would like to have your question, if you want to engage and ask a question and you want your question read live on the air, uh, you could uh, use the Super Chat function to do so. Uh, not necessary because we will, you know, obviously spend some time at the end of the episode to review some of the comments that may have come in. Uh, but if you want your question read uh, immediately or as fast as possible, then uh, definitely use the Super Chat function there. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's start off. Uh, we'll start non-spoilers because maybe there are some people who are tuning in just to see our initial reactions of the movie and all that kind of stuff like that. So let's start off non-spoilers and we could also talk about kind of our theater experience, uh, which we usually like to do. Uh, I had an interesting experience in my theater today um, and it oh, wasn't no. so much... Yeah, it wasn't so much of that like the bad. audience. <laughs> it was the the usher who checked your ticket and all that. He was extremely informative. Um, and I've never seen this guy before at this theater that I usually go to. But basically what he did is that he saw the movie I was checking out. And he said, all right, you're in theater seven, blah, 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 this and that. By the way, some interesting facts. Did you know that uh, James Cameron built a something, something yeah. ton tank kind of uh, hearkening back to his Titanic days for some of the underwater scenes in this movie. And he is, <laughs> he is working on a part three, four, and five of this movie. I'm like, do tell, really? And it's like, enjoy your film and all that stuff. <laughs> I was so like, you would I... like the local video store of the <laughs> 1980s, but the 2022 movie theater experience where he thought, you don't have Google. I'm the expert right. on the movies here, and I'm going to let you in. <laughs> Also, if you like this film, can I recommend this? Yeah. What in the world? That's funny. I've yeah. never experienced that. And they're always so dispassionate. Just like, yeah, right. here you go. I don't care. Yeah. Or I can't wait to see it, but it's opening night and I'm working, so I can't. Interesting. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it was, it, was, okay. it was actually really I, – I gave him props because, you know, he was, okay. he was very lively. And, and he had something different to tell every other person. Yeah, oh. so he would tell another person a different set of facts or whatever the case was. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So he, this person is so excited. They're new to the job. They're so excited and they're like studying on it. Like, okay, I know how I'm going to do this. I'm right. going to impress every. So you're low-key geek. This is more like a high-key geek situation. Right. I love it. I, yeah. You have competition. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, I hey. this person doesn't have a YouTube channel. They might <laughs> be going live any minute now. Well, if this person has a YouTube channel, I'm sure he's not getting the attention that he's getting right now like I am. So <laughs> I, I guess we should, you know, so something interesting <laughs> happened that uh, I kind of unveiled to Blake. And he kind of unveiled <clears throat> and uncovered more stuff that I have not even fathomed to even look into. So... Um, on the channel, if you are a regular, and I'm sure you've seen it uploaded, uh, about five days ago, uh, there was a Japanese press conference for Avatar The Way of Water that, um, you know, they, they kind of had. 
And, you know, they're doing the press tours, right? So I know they did one in Korea. I think they did one in China. The premiere, uh, the global premiere was done in London. Uh, I think they also had an event in L.A. I'm not sure if they had anything in New York because I didn't hear anything about it. Um, but in Japan, it caught my eye because on YouTube, I follow this Japanese uh, news outlet. And they had the full video of the press conference with all the interviews and all that. But the interesting thing I thought um, they did was that it was held in some aquarium somewhere. I'm not sure exactly the location, but it was held in an aquarium where they had a dolphin show, basically. It was like a quick, maybe one-minute presentation where they had dolphins in this pool doing tricks and stunts and all that stuff like that. And you had, you know... Everyone in attendance who was James Cameron, Zoe Saldana, Sam Worthington, Sigourney Weaver, and uh, one of the producers. And they were watching this show, enjoying the entertainment, clapping along. James Cameron even made a little quick comment saying, oh, that was so entertaining. I wish next time I could be part of the show because I think dolphins are the most intelligent and beautiful creatures and all that stuff like that. Not, I guess, realizing the irony behind all of this because obviously... You know, dolphins in captivity is a sour subject. You know, it, it's, it stems even from animal cruelty back in like the circus days and all that stuff like that. Plus, it's in a country that is unfortunately known for having issues with accidental dolphin killings or maybe purposely. I don't know the facts. I'm not, you know, a, a guy who knows everything about that stuff, but it's been documented and there's a lot more people out there who are very familiar with that stuff. So I would say maybe three days ago, tons of comments started flowing into the video. And it was a bunch of people who were just like, what is going on here? This has got to be a big joke. You know, doesn't James Cameron and everyone there realize that this is wrong? And the irony behind this and the movie that's supposed to be like supporting, you know, free animal living and, you know, you know, all the opposition against animal cruelty and hunting of animals and, you know, benefiting or profiting off of this stuff. And it just has been nonstop. It's been flowing in and flowing in. <laughs> so Blake had no idea about this. And I told him about it literally minutes before we went live. And he did a quick search. Apparently, the video has been yep. making the news rounds. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you, you are linked in some, you're sourced in some, and some of them just have your YouTube channel in the middle of a, right. a, an article about this controversy. Right. So I'm going to share some of the, the, the <laughs> websites here because I find this extremely fascinating. And really, you know, I had no idea that this was going to happen. But I'm apparently on the New York Post. Uh, here's a title it says James Cameron slammed for cruel dolphin stunt at Avatar 2 premiere. If you scroll down, these are screenshots from my video. You could see because it has my name on it along with everything there. So it writes up about, you know, what happened in the video. And they had an interview with, um, if I read down here, Rick O'Barry, who was featured in the documentary The Cove talking about it. The World Animal Protection Group said the stunt was confoundingly out of step uh, with Cameron's reputation. Uh, I'm on Yahoo News. So you could see here, uh, the headline is Avatar 2 Way of Water Stunt Features Live Captive Dolphins. Um, it even does a video transcript 
of the video itself. Oh, wow. And if you, yeah, wow. if you just, and then again, you look at the screenshot, this is directly taken from my video. Then I'm also on Yahoo News in Australia. Avatar 2 premiere sparks outrage, cruel dolphin stunt slammed. Again, they feature screenshots from my video and they link my video directly. And I think it's official. I'm also on the dailymail.com uh, where the headline is James Cameron sparks animal welfare <laughs> fury by holding Avatar 2 press conference at a dolphin show in Japan. And this article just floods the article with screenshots from my video, uh, along with also linking my video directly. So, wow, I had no idea. <laughs> we're, we're in spoiler-free territory, but to quote Avatar yeah. 2, water connects all things, and so does Loki Geek's dolphin video. And yeah. now you're the king of dolphin content on uh, apparently YouTube. Yeah, congratulations, uh, dolphin um, activism and awareness and and all that stuff. I'm so, I'm looking at dolphinproject.com has an article with your video just right there, smack dab on the middle. So congratulations, th you're, thank uh, you, thank you. You're you. the face of something that I don't know if you signed up for it, uh, but now all your videos have to be dolphin content. Dolphin, We're at least dolphin, dolphin friendly, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll say this because I'm sure, you know, maybe there are some people who will eventually watch this and they want to hear my take on it all and all that. And I did pin a comment to the video stating because I was seeing a lot of comments slamming Japan and they're attacking Japan directly for something like this. So the, in my comment that I pinned, I said, you know, I understand the frustration and disappointment in the irony behind all of this. But people have to keep in mind that there are companies involved in organizing such things you know you have your marketing teams you have your pr firms and you have the distributors right so i would say they're very much to blame for agreeing to do something like this right now in in slight uh, defense of james cameron i'm pretty sure he may have no idea as to what they're doing because he's just going along for the tour in promoting the movie right Sometimes they are walking into a situation that they have no knowledge about. Now, maybe they kind of broke the news to him prior or maybe minutes before walking into it and all that. Who knows? We're, I'm not there. We're all not there. We don't know what happened. Um, so I, I'll say that, yeah, it's very ironic. Obviously, I am pro, you know, animal rights. You know, I am, I am not uh, a big fan of, you know, circuses and going to like I, when I was a little kid, I used to go to SeaWorld until I realized exactly what was happening. And obviously I haven't stepped into SeaWorld in ages right since then. Um, so I understand the disappointment. I understand the, the the frustration behind it all. But the one thing I will say is that a lot of people are saying that they are not going to watch the movie because of this. Again, understandably, understandably so. But what I will say is that by not watching the movie, there are thousands of other people who've worked on the film. And by not going to watch this movie, you are not supporting all their hard work and efforts going behind this, that they had nothing to do with whatever PR promotional stunt that has been going on. So if you had every intention to watch the movie because maybe you're a fan of the franchise or it looked interesting to you, just keep that in mind because uh, the, a lot of these people depend on the box office numbers, the revenue and all that stuff like that. Uh, to kind of 
you know, give them nods of the work that they did. It helps them with future work and, and you know, coming up and it just helps with their paychecks and all that. And, you know, just like how they used to have the disclaimers about uh, bootlegging movies and all that and how you're taking tons of money away from all these people who keep working uh, diligently on these films. The same thing goes for something like that, you know. But, of course, if you want to make a statement and you're in disapproval, best way to do so is through your money and through your wallet, right? And by not supporting a movie like this, that maybe that message will be uh, put across there. But just keep in mind that you are also hurting a bunch of other people who had nothing to do with any of this stuff. Um, so that's my quick stance on it. Uh, Blake, do you have anything I, I, you want to say? No, because I, I know we, we can't harp on this. We got yeah. to talk about this movie. But just to be clear, you are anti-Dolphin and you, you wish totally. they were all in captivity. Yeah. And if you like that stuff, this movie, we're, we're not doing spoilers yet, but this movie has a lot of war scenes set in the water and some things go down. But we have uh, plenty of time to get into all that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah. So that's that's I just wanted to address that real quick. Um, again, especially since I'm making the news rounds there, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure this will eventually be maybe clipped out somewhere or somehow. But uh, with that being said, let's talk about the movie. So, well, I, I mentioned my my brief movie theater experience. I think overall, the my crowd, my audience, uh, it was maybe sixty percent capacity, and this was like what oh. five o'clock. Uh, so this okay. is really early. You know, this is very okay. early. Um, but it sounds like in in people enjoyed the film. It, it sounds like people really enjoyed it. It's a long movie, so a lot of people were coming in and out, going to the bathroom, you know, maybe refilling their drinks and their popcorn and all that stuff. So obviously, that's to be expected for a long movie like this. Um, but people were engaged. I mean, every time something happened that was like major, I heard people gasping, maybe laughing at some of the co- comedic moments. Um, you know, I, I think I heard someone kind of crying at one point at some of the emotional scenes, especially towards the end. Um, so yeah, so it, it sounds like people were definitely engaged, um, in this film. I mean, I felt like I was binging a series on Netflix because it's just so long, but mm-hmm. I did not at one point feel like it was dragging because I felt like I was also engaged all throughout myself. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. what about you? Oh, yeah. How did you feel, uh, watching? Yeah, so I did the 3D IMAX 715, mm-hmm. and it was very full. In fact, wow. I when I went to get a seat, there was only seats on the front row remaining, which, trust you me, I love that. I know that that's yeah. controversial. All my friends hate it because <laughs> I'm like, are you sure you don't want to sit on the front row whenever we go to the movies? I genuinely enjoy being on the front row. I like being so immersed in the movie, and this is a particularly good movie for that. If you're into that sort of thing, if you're a weirdo like me, I've got the 3D glasses on and I'm just up and you can see the whole thing. And it's kind of like being really close to the concert. Like you might not be able to see the drummer and the singer at the same time, but I do enjoy being fully into it. And so then, especially with 3D, there's not someone with their hat in front of me kind of like blocking the screen. The first one to get the image as it bounced back off the the projector. I think that's how screens work. I don't, I'm I'm not a scientist, (laughs) but um. There's no interruption and it's just, especially with the 3D where there's a couple moments and I haven't been impressed by 3D since the last Avatar, mm-hmm. since it kicked off a 3D fad. There's one where there's a couple times I literally did the like, whoa, that feels like it was it, something's kind of coming at you and it's it just has a little bit more punch to it when you're up close. Yeah. Um, fully full theater. People were super into it. Literally from the opening moments 
with like laughter throughout. It's, it seems I didn't even think we're particularly funny, but like the 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 uh, is he a colonel, a general? I, I think he's a colonel, and he he's literally like saying little throwaway lines and just being kind mm-hmm. of a jerk, and people are laughing at those like like as if this is a full out comedy. And then at the end of the screen screening, everyone's clapping, uh, including myself. Um, I had a great time at at, uh, at at Avatar 2. And being in the audience, this is one of those movies, seeing it early on is definitely the way to go yeah. for this kind of movie where you've got a full, a lot of people in there. Because in a week or two, it'll be a lot of people who are kind of like half fans. Like, oh yeah, I remember the first one. I'm kind of into mm-hmm. it. And it won't be nearly as engaging. The reason why we're doing this at midnight, which I'm kind of curious on, like West Coast people, um, if you know, if if uh, what time people are seeing it, because there's like almost there's showings all the way up till almost two a.m. out here yeah. in New York, because it's so. Uh, when I went through all the at least the three IMAX ones, they were all full except this one, mm-hmm. or it was like midnight something. Um, but I always like that's what I always loved about those midnight showings. It was people who really were dedicated to be there. They said, "You know what? I'm going to be tired at work tomorrow because I'm so hyped for this movie." My my favorite one all time was the third Star Wars movie f- from whatever that would be like oh three. But it was oh, uh, literally the final the of the original trilogy. Yeah, from the prequels. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's the word. And literally at our 24 screen AMC, every single screen was sold out. And so the entire place, like the whole mall and that where I'm from in Oklahoma, the entire mall and all 24 theaters, it was just Star Wars geeks and people who were into that. Like, it was intense. So that was really, really fun. Uh, it's rare to have now the, the night before and there's a lot of screenings at 7, 8, 9 p.m., etc. It's rare to have one room fully packed with all that energy and tonight felt like that it was the room was definitely buzzing with excitement for people who've been waiting a long time um since what's now again the number one movie of all time the original avatar since they re-released it and it took back the number one spot in game wild uh yeah people were excited for for good reason yeah no i i also saw it in 3d um because obviously i saw the original in 3d and at that time, you know, and a lot of people were saying this, that this was like one of the best 3D experiences at the movies that you could you could ever have because it was made for that. It was made for like that amazing visual effects and all that. Um, so I, I figured might as well do it again for this one. You know, what were you going to say? I, I saw the original eight times in theaters. Wow. That's how how much I enjoyed the 3D get lost in it. And the that whole like it's transporting you to another world. Uh-huh. I do like art house cinema. I also like escapism quite a bit. Sure. And yeah. so literally, I was in college at the time, and it was I, I I was responsible for a good chunk of that number one all time box office budget. Wow, for sure. that's crazy. This is a good no, one for three D. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and and this one definitely was like visually stunning. It was um, again, three D is the way to go. Movie theater is the way to go because uh, I did. Oh, yeah. Uh, I haven't watched the original Avatar since the time I saw it in the theater. And then uh, leading to the, to this new one this week, I decided let me rewatch the first one on Disney Plus, which is a, a restored like I, I think they kind of like uh, restored it to like 4K and all that stuff like that. They use, I think, the original IMAX um, 
uh, IMAX film. So you don't see the bars on the top and bottom. It really fills the whole screen. Um, and it looks gorgeous, but it doesn't look exactly how I remember it, obviously, in the theater because it's just a different experience altogether. Um, but now seeing it in 3D again, I was, it reminded me of how gorgeous 3D can be if done right and if done really purposefully, right? Uh, I think a lot of during the whole 3D trend that happened several years ago, um, I felt like a lot of movies were kind of forced to be 3D. So they, it was like a lot of uh, production that was done after the movie that to kind of like format it to be able to be in 3D. Right. And you could tell it wasn't that great. But this yeah. is like done especially for that. I mean, I mean, I could only imagine how it looked in IMAX. Um, but 3D, it just looked amazing. It was gorgeous. And like like you said, there will be moments that things are floating in front of your face and you're just like, whoa, where's that coming from? And, and you know, mixed in with the sound and, and everything. It was really, really well done. So definitely this is a, one of those rare movies that I would say you have to go out in the theater to watch it because it is meant for that movie experience, that old-time movie experience, um, which we don't really get a lot with a lot of movies these days, you know? And um, even some of, like, the Marvel films and all that, I would even say, like, maybe you could just go ahead and watch that at home eventually, but not this one. Like, this one, it's yeah. it's meant to be yeah. experienced in the theater because you really get the full, ex you know, visual experience, and it's really, really honestly breathtaking and all that. I remember the original one, it was part of the question like, yes, it's made a lot at the box office, but how are the this DVD and Blu-ray sales going to be? And I think mm -hmm. that was actually part of why 3D televisions became a thing was just because mm -hmm. there was enough of a need for, okay, now we have this fad that Avatar can at least get close to approximating that. Mm -hmm. I remember watched it a screen, a smaller, and it just wasn't the same at all. Just pretty pretty kind of pointless compared to once you had the theater experience. So yeah, maybe a year from now you watch the original, you know, this movie on a normal TV screen and it'll be a, a, an enjoyable blockbuster type movie. But if you've seen it on the theater, it's, it, it couldn't possibly compare. This is literally meant for that. And James Cameron, this is a very James Cameron movie and he's more of a technician as a director than, than almost anything else. Mm -hmm. The amount of, high quality special effects which not all blockbuster movies can say uh this one was very immersive i never basically never was taken out of the moment because like oh that looks corny or dumb the and it also did a really good job of playing with the physics which is something i think james cameron is really good at and kind of like i think of titanic where you're in the theater and you're looking up and there's this giant physical object and you're feeling it and reacting to like, oh my God, the water is filling up. Now it's falling. Now this is breaking. The sounds are so intense. The, the man makes movies that are meant to be enjoyed in the theater. This one, especially, there's a few scenes um, where the physics of what's happening on the screen and uh, made it where the 3D and the movie theater absolutely right yeah no definitely um so that being said i mean I, I think going into this we kind of expected it to be a visually stunning experience um if it wasn't 
um, then, you know, <laughs> what the hell was he working on in the last 13 years and all that, right? Um, but let's talk about the movie itself. You know, I think I'll, I'll be the first to admit that the original Avatar movie, albeit very stunning visually and with the technical achievements and all that, story-wise, it wasn't anything that really stuck with me, like, in the long run. You know, I was like, oh, that was a fun, entertaining movie. But obviously, in the last 13 years, I never went back to revisit it until this week, right? Because I just never felt the the need to. Because, I mean, some of the story is very rehashed. Um, it's your typical colonizer kind of, you know, thing where you have this group of people who uh, you know, are looking to uh, pillage and and go th- and uh, go through a village because they have a resource that we that they need, and the story focuses on the indigenous people who are trying to survive and you know protect their land and all that stuff like that. It's Fern Gully, it's Dances with Wolves, it's all that stuff, right? Pocahontas, throw it in yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's all that. Um, and... First one isn't that deep. Let's let's be very no. honest. I no. when I enjoyed it and went to the theaters eight times, it was more of the visual experience, yeah. the immersive action, and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think a lot of people who were at the right age at the right time, this was probably their blockbuster movie. This was like their Jurassic Park, right? This was like Jaws. their movie, Jer- 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 Jaws, yeah. whatever the case is. So there's a lot of fans who are you know eagerly anticipating this movie to come out, can't wait for it, you know, and everything like that. So going into it, I was, and seeing the trailers that came out, I was kind of, you know, on the fence about it. You know, I'll be, uh, you know, if you see my trailer reactions on the channel, I was just like, it looks nice, but the story, I have no idea what's going on. And I don't even know if it's going to be that appealing or whatever the case is. Now having a chance to watch it, I will say that I was, very entertained all throughout the movie um for a movie that is what three hours and three fifteen minutes yeah yeah i yeah. was it, it had me engaged through, through the whole time you know yep. I, I there wasn't any moment where i thought it was dragging i never checked my phone once which is kind of rare these days um, I never looked at the time or whatever the case is like that because everything that was happening on screen was so engaging enough that I just it got my attention all throughout. Now, there are a lot of story beats that are somewhat repeated from the first movie. Um, and some of the stuff was also kind of predictable. Um, but and to be quite honest, there's a lot of moments throughout the movie that nothing's happening. It's kind of like one of those uh, situations where you're just on along for the ride, and it's like a slice of life, like a slice of life kind of scenario where you're just following right. people doing what they do, right? Um, but doing like being... world building and getting right. you into okay, this is a totally different planet, a totally different world. I think right. a lot of movies that are set in a place that you're not familiar with, and partially they're kind of like showing off and getting you into it, but right. it also makes sense to me. Especially when there's one character in particular, which we're not in spoiler territory, but there's one character in particular who their whole deal is kind of like connecting with that planet. And mm-hmm. it, they're showing you, ju- they're showing that character just interacting with the water, the sand, the things like that. That in some ways that character gets to be an audience surrogate because I am also like, okay, how does this work? How we're watching the beautiful luminescent fish swim in a certain way and how long is this character holding their breath? And there's a few like 
basic science questions that I'm curious about uh, mm-hmm. that they're kind of answering just by showing rather than, and I genuinely prefer that too, if it was just someone going, well, here's how it works, everyone, listen up. And then they give a lecture uh, and then and instead of, so yeah, there's definitely some, a decent bit of world building. I was also engaged all throughout it, despite that. The three and a half hours, like you said, didn't feel that long to me. So I didn't, I didn't mind that so much um, as far as the world building stuff goes. No, definitely not. And again, this it's a unique situation because, you know, again, without spoiling anything, we are being transported to another part of the planet that they're on. And, in, you know, we are meeting new people, right? We're meeting like a, a new village and all that stuff. So we have to learn about this village and how they do their stuff and how they live their ways and everything like that and how it coincides with the people that we're already familiar with. Um, and then, of course, there's always going to be that threat from the outsiders, right? Again, that seems to be the common theme. So, you know, how is that going to come into play now based off of what happened in the last movie? Um, so with all that being said, you know, even though there were moments of the movie that there's nothing that really happened happened, when stuff really did happen, it was like all on. It was full on in your face and all that stuff. And it was the action scenes were very intense and very well done. You didn't know which way it was going to go. Sometimes you didn't know who was going to come out of it alive or whatever the case is. Um, and that is also very James Cameron, you know, especially, you know, you you look at his you know, Terminator movies and all that. He does that stuff really, really well. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it lived, I think, if anything, I would definitely say it lived up to the hype that it had going into this week. Yeah. Vis- visually stunning. I, I would even say surpassing the original film uh, when it comes yeah. to the visual effects and all that. Yeah. It's um, crazy to say because that was so groundbreaking right. at the time. Better. Right. Yeah. But again, it, it you would expect it to because, again, this is 13 years after the fact. Technology has improved since then and all that. Um, but it was so, you know, one, one of the things I said about the original movie that I always used to compare it to watching like um, CG cutscenes in a video game or, you know, watching like a full CG animated movie. Now looking at this, you could really see how seamless everything looks, how very clean everything looks. Everything is performance capture, right? So you have the actual actors, you know, with I'm sure their body suits and and you know balls all over the place like that, you know, acting out the scenes and everything. But I felt like it it's it was so flawless and seamless more so this time around than it was in the original. Um, and it was just it, it was just really gorgeous. Now, added to this, it's more world building, like you said more character building because again we're introduced to a lot of different new people this time around um and also reintroduced to some people that we thought we wouldn't see you know return from the first one which was mm-hmm. very very interesting mm-hmm. um and the way that they handled that i thought was also pretty fascinating you know so um overall i i you know and i and i said it before i didn't have that much high expectations going into this movie I, I have every right to eat my own words, and I'm going to do that. So I said, like, this movie has everything that it was promising it to have, and it was thoroughly entertaining and enjoyable. And I never thought I would say this, but I'm actually looking forward to where this is going to go after all this. Seriously. 
you For know. Real. So yeah, so you know, again, it's the testament and of James Cameron and never doubting James Cameron, right? Don't doubt Uncle Jim. You know, no matter what. He yeah. always brings it. But yeah, what what are your uh spoiler free thoughts about the movie um as a whole there? Yeah, I want to ask your later your uh, box office prediction of how you think this ends up. I sure. think that's something that's very interesting with this movie. Yeah. But dude took his time making this one and something that people say about James Cameron is like he's not going to put out an unfinished product. He'll mm-hmm. make sure he gets it exactly how it needs to be. And I'm guessing there's a lot of editing in in, in the post-production for this movie. Probably a lot of that. Um the I, I do remember, I'm glad you're willing to eat your words. Um, I could after especially my um Top Gun Maverick debacle earlier this year, <laughs> where I was I was doubting it and then ended up being just a box office monster. And this one, I, I I'm assuming that these are going to be the top two box office movies at the end of the year Top Gun Maverick and Avatar 2, both these long awaited sequels. I I remember talking about this one months ago and the concern being the old one has that video game graphics problem, which yep. I saw it eight times in theaters. I bought into it and you said, but you have to suspend disbelief at least that much. Yeah. And this one, there are definitely times where I'm going like, okay, this doesn't feel a hundred percent real. So I did have to suspend disbelief a little bit. That said, the concern was if they use the exact same graphics as 08 and you want to continue the story to where if you put one movie, then another movie and it would make, total sense like nothing is different at all you know like mm-hmm. f- first season of family guy versus second season where just all the characters look different <laughs> it's like so different um, yeah yeah that kind of problem but no it felt pretty seamless uh, and then the other question when they re-released it was like okay are they going to go back over and fix some of that stuff um but no it didn't seem to be much change but i would say this one definitely looks better and cleaner the Biggest thing going into it with the box office expectations, the cost of these movies, how many sequels are they going to actually be able to pull off, etc. I think this one executed its mission. Mm-hmm. I think the question is, is it going to be equal or better in that visually immersive action movie way? And then does it get rid of some of the problems of the first one where the story is pretty damn simple, which honestly doesn't really hurt, especially if you want to go after an international box office market. Yeah. Um, to have a story that doesn't require just a ton of subtitles if you're in another country or doesn't require you to know a lot of pop culture references in a specific part of the world or something like that. To have the, the first one, part of its success is because it's so universally understandable and accessible. This one, I think, still has that, where it's dealing with some pretty basic themes, but it is different. It's an evolution. I'm not, we're not doing spoilers yet, but like, if the first one is mainly just the colonization story... This one is dealing with things like family in, yeah. instead, like adding a layer of that. Um, so to my mind, the, the story was another one or two levels more complex and more interesting. And it gets to do connecting the dots from this movie to the old one. And so you're seeing, oh, this character changed over time. Or now this character from the old one is now interacting with this character from the new one in another way. And then some of like the, the recent Star Wars movies, you get to like double up on the characters where now somebody has a kid. And so now the way they interact with their father is now how they're interacting with their things like that. So it is definitely more complex just off of that fact alone. But the story, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, okay, we're going to make a few more of these. We really need to, to iron out this story part here and make it more 
richer and more interesting. I think that they did that on this one. So for, for my money, I think it's going to succeed in the box office way. I think the word of mouth will be positive. When you leave an opening night screening and everybody's clapping, last time I saw it was Top Gun Maverick. And at that point, I was like, okay, this thing's going to do numbers. There was some quote I read offhand that it, it was uh, James Cameron saying something like, this needs to make $2 billion. And <laughs> I, that's just so, so much money. I can't, I can't fathom this flopping. I'm curious if it goes to the number one all-time spot. If it's because the the standard for James Cameron movies after Titanic, Avatar, that it's just so high. But from the one screening that I saw tonight, the opening night, I wouldn't be surprised if we got in that territory at least top five all time box office something like that. Yeah, it, it, well, it did what it needed to do. It's there's only one thing that is kind of against this movie. And that is, there's still a lot of people who haven't gone back to the movie theaters yet. Um, you know, unfortunately, we still have issues with, you know, the the thing that's going around the world right now. And I heard cases are going up again. I don't want to say it because, again, I might get dinged and demonetized for giving, you know, information about whatever it is. But <clears throat> that's something that's still, you know a factor that a lot of people are taking into account, you know, whether or not they want to go out and watch a movie or even just go out and do anything with their family and all that. So that's one thing. Two, I felt like the first Avatar was such lightning in a bottle where it was just one of those things where it's like we have never seen anything like that prior. So that was like a huge achievement and all that. Now, does this take that to the next level it does in certain ways but again i feel like it's also still similar to stuff that we've seen you know in the past or whatever the case is like that now the one thing positive that this has going for them is that it was actually approved to release in china which a lot of more recent blockbusters have not mm. because of certain controversial scenes or whatever the case is maybe some dialogue that the studio doesn't want to get rid of or whatever the case is so the fact that this is having a China release could help tremendously because we all know that a lot of movies, especially American movies, uh, are finding huge success in China. And that is really taking into account uh, big portions of their box office revenue or what, you know, and all that stuff. Now, I know they're having their own issues over there with what's ever going on. So I don't know if that's also going to limit whoever goes to the theaters in China to watch this. But I think for, like you said before, for a global audience and the, the fact that the story is simple but complex, but not so much so that uh, a global audience can't follow and understand it that's going to appeal to a lot of people. And then I think, like you said, word of mouth is eventually going to spread like wildfire. People are going to say, you need to check this movie out because it looks, one, gorgeous, and you have to experience it in the theater. And then two, it's actually very entertaining, you know, and you, it's easy to follow and you find yourself, you know, glued to the to the screen there watching everything unfold. Um, so I think box office-wise, it's, it's going to do well. Now, will it get to the level of the first Avatar? I think time will tell. Um, I think the predictions going into this weekend is that I think at least domestically, it may be tracking for um, maybe 
at least 100 million. And I think globally it's it's tracking to be 300 million or whatever the case is. Um, who knows? I mean, things could change within a day. But I also do feel like this is going to have legs. And I think, yeah. you know, again, with no other competition out right now, and the majority of people who wanted to already see Wakanda Forever has already seen it and maybe saw it a second time. And now they're looking for something new, right? So oh, this is the right. new boy on the street. And I think a lot of people are really going to be wanting to go check this out, especially when we are in the holiday season right now. Families are together. Hey, let's all go watch Avatar, right? You know, because I'm yeah. pretty sure that is a big conversation to be had there. Um so, so yeah, so it's going to be really interesting for sure. Yeah, I think because there's a few questions and different movies have to deal with these problems differently of what time of year they're released and what that bump looks like. Is it a slow burn, word of mouth, a little engine that could situation? This isn't that. I think part of the problem is people's minds were blown by Avatar 1 and that's why it did so well at the box office because I people like me just kept going back to say, like, I just want to experience that feeling again. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it'll have, have the sale. I'm curious about individuals doing repeat viewings because I don't currently, I did enjoy it a lot. I don't currently feel like, oh, I need to see that again to understand it or, oh, I got to take all my friends next weekend or something like that. Um, we do see that with movies sometimes where it basically becomes like everyone's got to get everybody and, and go see it. This one might be more of a, like you're talking about with the winter break coming up, people being off school, families going to the movies in groups. This will be an easy choice for a lot of, it's always like, what's the lowest common denominator movie that uncle and nephew are both going to be okay with. Um, The, the, I think the other factor is there are people who avatar, the original, we have to say did not age well. It's reputation over time from that first year got worse and i've had like debates with people like why did that happen is it because it was so popular and people just kind of want to say oh well that's so popular so therefore it's not cool so now it's corny and it actually sucked even though i saw it three times in theaters and i really enjoyed it every time but no it sucks and like i was dumb for liking it like i've heard people saying that and like that's in the water around this movie of almost like people feel like they got tricked by the special effects or something like that um so I think one version of the bump for this movie might be a week from now at happy hour, someone goes, oh, you saw the new Avatar? Was that good? And then somebody goes, yeah, it was actually really good. I think you'll like it. You're not going to be disappointed. I don't want to spoil And then, then that person goes, okay, now I'll go see it. And they're kind of like doing, and not necessarily word of mouth, but just like letting someone else go see the movie if you're not like the opening night person. Yeah. I have a feeling there will be a decent bit of people going like, no, it was actually like, I literally hit up my brother in that same tone because I, I think he had the like ah maybe i'll see it maybe i won't it's, it's not gonna be like a must see for me i was like you should go see this one you'll like it um yeah. so I, th- I think there'll be a, a some bump from that so it definitely has legs i don't know that it'll have each person feel, feeling like they loved it and need to go see it a bunch of times immediately or i need to rewatch it to understand it like christopher nolan movies they always get two watches and then usually no more after that it's like okay i need to see this another time to understand it and i'm not going back like Different, especially blockbusters, just have different versions of that problem. I think this one, by that standard, doesn't do as well as the first because it isn't groundbreaking in the same way. But we'll see. The first one might get the momentum of those people who did love it so much and a new generation of people. I'm curious to see how that turns out. Well, I think, 
Yeah, I think I think that one thing fascinating about this movie, and it, it's based off of things that I've heard and read from people who've seen screenings and who, you know, members of the the Critics Association and the press and all that. A lot of them had similar sentiments where it's like, all right, the first movie was cool, but it wasn't anything that I ever wanted to go back and revisit. Then seeing this movie, they're like, okay, it got me. Now I can't wait to see more of this. You know, and I feel like that's been a very common sentiment that I've been hearing and reading a lot about re- um, recently. And I mean, look at myself. I was a moderate fan of the first one. I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen it again since the first time I saw it. I watched it again this week. and I was like, OK, I get why people like this. But, you know, again, I'm watching it at home. So, you know, I'm not getting that same visual sensation with the 3d and all that stuff like that but you know with the remastered version on disney plus i'm like okay at least it looks it still looks good now seeing this and and experiencing the new movie in the in the theater with the 3d and with the new world building and the new characters that we were introduced to the generational shift in the movie with the characters you know now focusing on a younger generation and all that stuff uh, which will we could talk about more later. Um, it's it's more fascinating, and now it's like okay, now I'm rooting for other characters that I am newly introduced to. I'm curious as to how they're going to carry on and move forward. Plus, there's always still that potential threat that's still lingering around, right? So, with all that said, now I'm wondering, okay, what other parts of the planet? Are they going to yeah. explore moving forward, right? We had the forest people, right, in the first one. Now we were introduced to the water people in this one. Again, that's not a spoiler. That's in the trailer right there. It's called so, the way yeah. of water. Yeah, the way of water, you know. <clears throat> so we have that going on. So what other parts of the planet are we going to, like, you know, be introduced to and all that is there a snow portion is there like you know Oof. an underground portion like they're not I don't dressed know. for snow renee i don't know <laughs> if that's a good idea it's like the star wars movie thing where any given movie will have like okay we've got the sand part we got the snow <clears throat> part yep. we got the forest mm-hmm. part for sure um yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that too because another thing which um only slightly relates to star wars but i was thinking about this movie and i was curious like are we gonna see a toy you know, like the new Matrix movie, and they've got like a character that's like, this is just going to be a present for the holidays, and that's the whole reason mm-hmm. why this little robot character exists, or the BB-8 thing, or whatever. Um, I didn't see that, but I now that we're talking about it, there are kids in this movie, yeah. Uh, which I'm not going to say anything else until we get closer to spoiler territory, but I could see that being a more making it a more family friendly movie than the first one was, to where okay, I've got a 13-year-old and they really like that movie and they want to see it again. They've got a hero on screen. I honestly can't mm-hmm. say I, I wasn't able to relate to those characters as well as if I was a teenager, which I think yeah. the characters are around that age um, or something like that. I could see that also helping it with box office numbers because once you get a family of four going versus just date night or just the you know the dudes or whatever, bro night at the movies, mm-hmm. um, which different movies have their own kind of vibes of what the demographics they're going for, probably pretty smart to expand it to include you know uh someone could be represented on screen in any you know at any given age demographic right that no, might definitely. boost it yeah no for sure like and again like in my my showing today 
there was at least two sets of families that went to see it, you know, and there was like, they were running four or five deep. Um, and, you know, it's all generations, you know, you had the, the parents, you had the like teenager and you had like the probably grade schooler. Right. So I, I saw that quite a bit going into this, uh, into my showing. And then as I was leaving, obviously there's a new set of, you know, you know, people coming in to watch it. And I was seeing the same thing. So, yeah, definitely it, it the appeal there for this movie is going to be all over. You know, like it will appeal to young kids. It'll, it'll I could see stuff appealing to teenagers and definitely for adults. You know, there's a lot of heavy storylines um, all throughout the movie that, you know, a lot of adults, especially parents, can fully relate to and understand. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, Zoe Saldana said on her press tour was that her, you know, being a mother herself, she can relate to a lot of the stuff that Natiri had to go through in this movie. And it really helped her kind of relate more to that character and, and, you know, being able to act in that same way. Because as a mom, she would have to do the same thing with whatever, you know, situation arose and all that. But, um, But yeah, so, I mean, I guess overall... We both really thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, it's definitely, it, it was entertaining from front to uh, from beginning to end and all that. So, I, I guess if you uh, would like, we could uh, spill into a little bit more spoiler talk, and we could talk more about the some specific moments all throughout the film. Again, a reminder to all of you watching. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I, I see people coming in and out and all that stuff like that. Um, if you would like to engage and you want, uh, you have a specific question and you want to ask us a question uh, and we, we will have it read out live, uh, definitely use the Super Chats there. Um, we had a comment come in from somebody, Derpy501. Uh, basically, they said it's not better than the first film or unique like its predecessor, but it's pretty damn close. The best part of the film is the insane amount of world building. Also, far more visual spectacle than first. It does drag a little for me, but it's entertaining and satisfying Satisfying by the end. James Cameron is said to have a nine-hour cut of this film. LA. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm no, pretty sure. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I would have I would have stayed if it was nine hours long. I just would have had a couple more bathroom breaks. Which, for the record, if I disappear at some point during this, it's it's because right. it's a three hour and fifteen minute movie. Right. Nine hours. I love the idea of him just walking in the studio, being like, "Okay, what do you think?" Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. What is, is this? Is all the rest of them? We're gonna release them? What? What? This for HBO? It's like, it's, yeah, it's like we're good for print on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's that's good fantastic. Looks, good looks, Derpy Five O First. I uh, very much appreciate that. Hell intel. yeah! I just looked it up, and that is definitely um, <laughs> a, a story that that is out there about the nine hour cut. Oh, release man. the nine hour cut. Please. Let's do it. There you go. Hashtag release a nine hour cut. Avatar. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's talk about. So I'm gonna put up the spoiler alert. Um. Warning up there again for those of you who. Uh, don't want to be spoiled. We'd hate to see you leave, but we totally understand. Um, you could definitely bookmark this, save it for later, and after you've watched it, you could come back and listen to us uh, talk more about the film in depth and all that. But yeah, let's talk about some of the the stuff that happened here. So, I think one of the the biggest questions I had, knowing and understanding that uh, Stephen Lang was coming back, was how was he going to come back? You know, because yeah. 
he he bit it hard in the in the first movie and he pretty much died there um so it was really interesting that the way they covered that was they saved his memories and all that in the computer so that they could transfer the consciousness i guess into an avatar to carry on and move forward um which was a very convenient i think to for that very. to be revealed <laughs> very yeah. It's kind of like a singularity thing, right? Because it's not necessarily the same. I mean, it depends on your ship of Theseus uh, thesis theory, where yeah. is it the same person if, because we're in spoiler territory, yeah. a very, like to me, the most pivotal scene where things start to go down, um, I'm jumping ahead a little, but he walks up and he sees his old body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the arrows that were used to kill him. And he's like having to reconcile that. So both are in the same room at the same time, I'm pretty sure. And then that is also when they run into the kids and that's when right. all the action kind of kicks off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that was so that was very fascinating how they covered that. And also I was also interested as to Sigourney Weaver. Like what role was she gonna play in this film? Now, I, I already knew that she was voicing a, a child, a younger version of somebody. But I wasn't exactly sure what that meant, right? And then understanding the the little backstory that we got, that I guess, and I, again, correct me if I'm wrong. So she was pregnant, and she gave birth to this child that Jake and Natiri adopted to take mm-hmm. care of, while her mm-hmm. Navi body is still in kind of cryo suspended state but they still don't know who the father is and how she got impregnated in the first place. Right. So now we're getting into theory time. And <laughs> this movie doesn't have a ton of like, Oh, I need to read into the plot, but they don't do a ton of exposition. Yeah. Of who's the father, who's the mother of, of two of the characters. Right. Stephen Lang's got a boy. It's presumed. Right. And we yes. don't know who the mother was to my knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Sigourney Weaver also. So now there's two characters who were the two big deaths at the end of the last one. Um, shout out to Natiri's dad. Sorry. Also feel bad for that guy. He's counts. To, but so yeah. Sigourney Weaver's character, who we do see Sigourney Weaver's human actress body in a float tank situation. And it moves a little bit. But I think it's animated by her daughter being close in the way that this world, things are kind of like when you touch a tree, it touches you back kind of thing. So I don't mm-hmm. know how dead Sigourney Weaver is. Here's the theory. I'm so glad I looked into this after the movie because it was one of my first questions. I was like, who's, who's dead? Just tell me who the dad is. I have a theory that we're going to have in one of the next couple movies a Star Wars type of like here's here's who the father is some oh. some Darth Vader Mori time. Um, the theory is that it's an, a virgin birth that when she's in the tree because to my knowledge she's not pregnant and she is dying and it's very difficult to get the timing of all that right unless there's some scientific other situation that it's literally they tried to save her they can't. And she is then given life by the force of, and now the name is escaping me, but by the force hey, of, thank you. Yes, and it is literally, and that to me, obviously it sounds kind of bonkers to our Western minds. In that world, when they're trying to save her and they could bring some people back and they put 
Jake into his avatar body and melded it perfectly. Mm. That to me is literally the most logical conclusion by the logic of this movie. They tried to do one spell, if you will, where they tried to save her. Instead, they gave her life. And you, they, I wouldn't be shocked either if it is the same character. Now, keep in mind, if that sounds bonkers, Stephen Lang looked at Stephen Lang's dead body while Stephen Lang was in an avatar body <laughs> trying to kill Jake Sully, who is still the same guy, also in an avatar body. Like, to me, that is the most logical and sensible theory. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, well, that's definitely what it is. And I kind of wish I hadn't read it because it's two movies, three movies from now. It's going to be like, oh, the father was Awa. Oh, my gosh. No oh, way, so. they were right. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I'm going with. Otherwise, like, I, we could get into some other theories, but they're all they would all be so. Because even the kids in the movie are theorizing, trying to give, yeah. give them a hard time and saying it was. I forgot the actor's name, but he's the nerdy, I know, that, that, tall that guy. That dopey guy. Yeah. Dorky yeah. dude. Yeah. Which, <laughs> who's in this one, right? Yeah, that was who that was yeah. who came in. Yeah, there's a medical situation later. That, as soon as they showed up, I was like, "Well, now we know that was, it was a terrible idea to bring a helicopter to the Waterland." We're not there yet. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. That one's no, it's me off. no, it's fine. No, it, it's it's you funny can't, because you can't be the dad. No, I don't accept well, that. I, I um, loved how the kids were like looking <laughs> back at like the older diary footage, video diary oh. footage. And how he was in the background. He's like always present in all of her diary entries. And then there was one moment where he kind of looked at her with this like little smile and all that. And like, see, he has to be the father. <laughs> my, my next letterbox list has to be movies released in winter 2022 where kids look at video footage and try to figure out, are those two adults fucking? It'd be Fablemans and Avatar 2. Nice. Yep. Oh Just my god. It together that's like so the way he's perfect. looking at her. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's definitely that's that's, that's definitely... so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> doing doing all the I, investigation and all. That. I'm sorry. As a dork, <laughs> I would not accept that. It's Sigourney Weaver, man. Come on. <laughs> she was his boss. That's not right. Right. So well, it makes hey, more sense for it to be Awa. You know, if you are uh secluded in a in an area with no other form of life and you know, you have needs. We're all humans, right? So I get it. The, if the mood is right, strike it while it's hot. If he is in a subdued state while he's in the Avatar body, like I don't know the physics of that. I don't know how that works. I don't. I, we don't need to keep theorizing about it. That's no, it's absurd. fine. It's got to yeah. be. To me, it's it's that's my theory. So yeah, we definitely don't know. The movie did. Well, it's not the deepest movie, and it's probably never going to be the deepest franchise. Yeah. They do a good job at taking simple things and taking them to their logical conclusion. Mm. And in this one, I think it's pretty smart, especially that they have. Actually, do you mind answering on this? Because while we're talking about what, you know, what happened in this movie, what the future holds is interesting. Are the next few movies, how complete are they? Are they definitely coming out? Do you have a sense of that? Because I've heard different things. Yeah. So from what I know and from what I've read, um, Cameron already has a treatment of the third movie. Uh, I think he already has it written out, and he's he already presented it to the studio. Um, according to what I've read, and I got I don't know how truthful this is or whatever the case is, but the studio is uh, amazed on how awesome the script is, um, and it sounds like and they don't even have any notes for him. They said we like ex- everything that you've written. Go forward with this. So it in the be re-release, fantastic. I don't know. someone did the math on the re-release, and they were saying like, okay, 
Avatar 1 still had enough legs to make decent money. And they were going to say, we're just going to do it for one week, try to get people excited a little mm-hmm. bit, get, let the kids go see it who missed it back in 08, 09. Um, and that, that the re-release did numbers to where it was yeah. near the top of the box office charts. I think it was either number one or it was like in the top few for a second. And so I think that the studio has faith. And like we said earlier, don't ever bet against Uncle Jim, James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a, the box office master of all time. Him and, and um, Kevin Feige are just represent so many of those top spots. I I really hope people go see this movie because I just want to I just want to keep have I just want to have them at least. It'd be so sad if it was a divergent situation where I think it's like after the second oh, we're like oh we we had another one and we're just not even gonna we're not even gonna put, take it seriously as a franchise. The one thing that came to mind that comes to mind about that is like Aragon. If you remember Aragon, Aragon is a beloved uh, series of books about dragons. And they were really banking on that becoming a movie franchise. The first one came out and they had plans for sequels and to turn it into like a universe. And they pretty much quickly canceled every all their plans once the movie was released because it just yeah. flopped hard at the box office. And I, I saw it. And yeah, understandably so. It <laughs> oh, no. was god it was god awful. Yeah, it was it was really bad. Well, but going back Star to Star Wars, Avatar, which made a profit and made bank. Mm-hmm. The new Star Wars, they took a pause on it after sure. there was a couple of the, the side movies that didn't do so well and after Solo, which killed me. Because I'm like, I really did like Solo and I want to see all of them. I just like movies and I like these movies. I, I really hope that nothing like that happens. And based on this one, I, I that's not my feeling. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, and again, it, it's, it's curious as to how they're going to cover certain things in future iterations, because one thing I really loved about this movie, um, we knew going into it that water was going to be a big deal. Right. And, and all that, by the way, the water effects, I think Marvel should be taking notes because in, in Wakanda forever, you know, every time we were dealing with Namor and, you know, the, the underwater people, yeah. that water effect was horrible compared to this. I mean, the water effect in this movie was just phenomenal. Uh, it was just very, very well done. But we were introduced to a new tribe. You know, and they are water Navi, basically, right? And you could tell because their physical, um, uh, their physical aspects are so different. You know, they have fins. You know, their their Big hands tails. and arms are pretty much fins. Bigger Big wet tails. tails. Yeah. yeah, and it was so fascinating to see that and being introduced to a, a different version of the Navi that uh, that myself I wasn't expecting. You know, I thought they were just meeting new Navi somewhere, whatever the case is. But no, this is like a different set of Navi right here. Um, so I really love that aspect of it, of it all. Um, and, you know, again, being introduced to these new creatures, Kate Winslet played the queen mother of that new tribe that we were introduced to. And, you know, obviously she was opposed to having the Sully clan, um, you know, join up with them. But then, you know, they they serve their purpose, you know, maybe at a certain point at a price, you know, because unfortunately they were found eventually and they had to all go to war and all that. But that was really fascinating. Again, the children uh, being introduced to the new generation of Navi and and the Sullys, I guess, right? Because this is the story of the Sullys and all that. That I thought I thought was very fascinating. You know, the 
The kids were all adorable. I loved every, you know, every one of them had a, a certain yeah. aspect about them that I really liked. Um, and then, of course, the Sigourney Weaver, you know, voiced uh, child, uh, Kiri, I believe, is someone who, and, and <clears throat> very similarly to like what you said, a very interesting aspect to her because, again, we don't know exactly how she was, you know, birthed or whatever the case is, but just like how what happened with her mom at the end of the first movie as she kind of you know formed with Awa she's part of the 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 land and the planet and all that Kiri has unique abilities that she can communicate with Awa apparently you know and we saw that kind of like coming out as she's you know talking oh. to the fish and as she's like kind of Having, you know, she's connecting to certain creatures and then, you know, they, they're they listening to her kind of instruction and all that stuff like that. And it was very, very interesting to see that. So in a way, I guess this is like the Jedi of, of the family, of the Navi, because she has these abilities to be able to communicate with the land, communicate with the life forms. Um, and I think it is because of her very deep connection with with Awa, just like what happened with her mom and all that. Um, so I thought that was like really, really fascinating. I mean, you caught that, right, as you're watching the movie? Oh, absolutely. Now, I'm almost kind of mad because now if they were going to do a big reveal of who the dad was, I'm like, okay, now I know exactly who the dad was. The dad was definitely that tree, for sure. <laughs> because there, that character had magical powers, if you will, that no one else had. Yeah. In, like, not in, to where I'm going like, oh, okay, this is just what happens when you're super in touch, which, okay, yes, her, um, her adopted mother was, mm. you know, like, in this universe, uh, you have a spiritual moment and a, one of the little floaty tree blossom thing will come up and like land on your shoulder. And like, there is yeah. interaction with that. This one could actually direct it. And that's telling us a lot. So we also yeah. get the, uh, which it kind of reminds me of very, actually multiple Star Wars characters, but the person who feels like I'm an outcast, I don't belong, I don't know who my parents are, that whole thing. Right. Then they're the ones who are have special, special powers. And like that definitely is what's happening here. I almost wish that we hadn't made this connection, that I hadn't listened to the <laughs> Like now I know. And they'd be like, oh, Really? We didn't want to tell you this because then whatever um, that that makes so much sense. That was a fun. I really like that character. And yeah, there's a few really special moments when she's saving the day using that connect being so mm-hmm. connected to nature to where it's not just a ungly um, thing where it's like we just need to protect nature at all costs. It's like literally we are using nature as a superpower to right. fight the bad people who want to hurt our planet and our family that makes sense and also i'm gonna you're gonna have to vamp for a second i, I it was a three hour and 15 minute <laughs> the movie bathroom break. We're talking a lot about water <laughs> gotta have a tiny little bio break i'm sorry nice no it's right. fine yeah no but like basically to what blake was saying it, it reminds me of charlemagne right like i believe the quote was um the army would be the the trees the rocks and the birds in the sky and all that stuff like that and i'm i'm sure i'm butchering it big time but <clears throat> that <clears throat> that's basically what we saw here 
with the Kiri character, um, who by far is one of the more interesting new characters that we were introduced to, um, who is voiced by Sigourney Weaver. And apparently, uh, you know, she is the mom and all that. But the another interesting aspect, again, something that we brought up earlier was it's uh, generational. So now we are focused on the younger generation of the the Sully clan there. So they have four kids. Um, it is four, right? Yeah. Um, the two daughters and the two boys. Um, and just seeing how they are adapting to growing up with everything that's happening now on the planet, you know, being hybrids, you know, and it was something that was even brought to their attention even more so when they found this new village and new water Navi and how they were called, you know, freaks. And, you know, they have devil blood in them because um, they are mixed breeds, you know, mixed uh, human with Navi instead of, uh, four fingers to have five, um, and and all that, and it, you know, a very very interesting thing that is um, being introduced to the world now. So, uh, following the adventures of the kids was very very fascinating, and see how you know Jake and Neteri how they were being parents and having to have to deal with that. Um, Jake by far is probably the strictest father figure I've ever seen. Um, you know, especially with the kids. And Neytiri, you know, Neytiri was like a typical mom, but Jake was just like, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, and it was just a lot of like that uh, controlling aspect. I guess that's the army in him or the Marines in him. That's really like moving forward there. Um, Blake is back from his pee break there. So uh, well, that's not what I was doing whatsoever at all. After watching a three hour movie talking about water and it's raining outside. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, here in New York, we're going through our, our own way of water here because it's yeah. been raining nonstop all day. So. <laughs> I literally took a bicycle down the Great White Way to the movie theater in Manhattan and in the rain. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm ready for this movie. Immerse yeah. me in the water. Oh, yeah. Baptize yeah. me in the way. The so he's strict, but he also I was um I was at one point a dumbass teenage boy with a dumbass teenage sure. brother, and yeah, I, the boys kind of deserved it. When if we're gonna zoom out, it starts talking about the parent thing and his his dynamic, his parenting dynamic with Matiri. He's talking about happiness is date night when you get to get away from the kids for a little yeah. bit. And I was yeah. like, yep, that, sounds, that sounds like a dad of four. Um, and if we include um, Spider, he's got, they've got five. Right. If we include the, the, the white right. kid. Right, right, and then the, um, And then he goes, but happiness can be fleeting. And I was like, is, this, is he okay? Is this like beer dad? Is he, is he checked out? Like what's going on with Jake? Uh, do he and Natir need to go to couples counseling? But right. no, it's mm. because happiness is fleeting because the uh, there's a, s- a new star in the sky, which meant the sky people were coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They then fire demolish a lot of land, birds, trees, everything, yeah. and very sad. And then it just says one year later. And in that year, um, Jake seems to have been pretty fucking fed up with his kids even more than he was a year ago. <laughs> But it's showing, this is some of my favorite scenes where it's Jake as the rebel fighter. That was cool. Just watching them 
oh, hey, they've got, they're trying to send another Sky People plane down here. We're going to mess it up and doing some guerrilla warfare. Always entertaining mm-hmm. to me of, okay, the people with the different weapons take on the big bad machine guerrilla style. Like that was incredible to watch. But we also see right then, we're talking maybe 10, 15 minutes into the movie, the boys are being dumbasses, just going right into battle when they're supposed to be the lookouts. Which right. to me, the problem is like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be putting yourself in harm's way, but also we need a lookout. Why are you abandoning your lookout post to go be in harm's way? And then one of the boys, which I guess there's some foreshadowing happening right there when we meet the kids. One of the boys he thinks is dead and it's actually someone else. Right. Where he sees the blood stain and his boy's okay. He's giving him a hard time. And I think any dad whose kids are literally throwing themselves towards gunfire, it kind of makes sense to be a little strict on him, a little bit harsh of like, what are you doing? And like, he, he, definitely not the strictest dad, like in movie history, right? Like he, he seems <laughs> no. like he wants them to stay alive. Yeah. And he's like, he's more in the mode, the military dad, but more like my whole job is protecting my family and you fucking idiots keep, to me, there's a reading of this movie, which I kind of want to, if I, if and when I rewatch it, I'm going to look at every time shit pops off. It's because the kids went on a dumb adventure for no reason. Of course. Literally from that time early on the first mm-hmm. gorilla scene, the reason why the colonel even finds where Jake is is because the kids are going on a dumb adventure. Then the kids go and they plug into Awa underwater. One of them has a seizure and the helicopter comes to save that kid. One of the boys goes off with one of the turtles and that caused a huge uh, kerfuffle amongst the the water people. And later on, like literally at the end, there's like two more to the point where the joke made by one of the daughters at the end of the movie is... Oh my gosh, I got handcuffed again. This is terrible. Yeah. Like yeah they yeah, just kept yeah. going right back to the same mess. Now, it is a family sticks together and we don't leave anyone behind and we're going to go save our friend, even though our parents want us to get him to safety. It's yeah. always cool. There was a little bit of like the do sex machina of, okay, now there's the kid is in the background. And he can always come in and try to save the day or at least distract the baddies. Mm-hmm. But damn, we're talking like five or six scenes where these dumbass kids are throwing themselves in harm's way. And Jake has to be like, please. Stop just for one second. We have a whole army, and you guys are all I ask you to do is stay at home or be the yeah. lookout, and you just can't help yourself. So, poor, yeah. poor Jake Sully seems pretty worn down at that point when we're getting to see him so many years later. I mean, especially like, like, like when they, they moved on to the water village and they're supposed to be in hiding. And yet these kids are finding ways to just like expose themselves. And, and now, granted. They were also like at certain moments they were get, being um, kind of led on by the other kids of the water village, you know, just yeah. the typical bullying sure. and all that kind of stuff like that. But it it did lead to uh, some you know eventual trouble as well. You know, like the the one common theme again, the common themes of this film were you know family, um, understanding the younger generation, um, kind of like the the father, son, daughter, mother kind of relationship and dynamic. But it was also about uh, being different, right? So the kids, obviously, since they're like hybrid Navi, they're mixed breed, you know, they were, they're looked upon as freaks and all that. And then the younger brother 
befriends an outcast. Uh, I, I I don't know what that creature is. It's like a whale like creature. It's like the turtle from Finding Nemo, the little California yeah. dude whales. Yeah, sure. it's it's yeah, but the the water village people have tight bonds with these creatures, you know. And but this one was kind of considered to be an outcast because it was thought by the water village that this person was responsible for killing a bunch of Navi. But in retrospect, and uh, the boy actually finds out after mind melding with the creature is that no, this creature was actually in a situation where, you know, the sky people were hunting them down and he was trying to save them, but he was the one that was as who escaped and survived it all. Um, you know, but he was outcast from everybody because of all that, you know, and the boy related to the creature because he himself also felt like an outcast because everything that he has been going through, uh, experiencing being different from the, the water village people. Which Jake and the boy and it's called a Tulkun. Tulkun I, that I, okay. I just looked it up. Um, and that one's name was Payakan. Uh, they are a, a pacifistic cetacean or cetacean species. Um, big ass turtles, we'll call it. Uh, fish go. turtle thingies. But all three of those characters, Jake, the boy, and, and the Tulkun, have a thing in common, which is that they are have the best intentions but are drawn to battle and feel like yeah. they need to fight and that's another thing that which way later in the movie will come in super handy when we get to watch the hunters get fucked up by some of these yeah. uh, giant uh tulkun creatures that was really really fun when they were like yeah. okay we're not gonna be pacifists anymore and we saw multiple characters deal with that problem which i was gonna mm -hmm. add is one of the other themes of the movie to me it's do we stay or do we fight and do we we want peace, but we can't have peace. So do we seek revenge or um and and fight, or do we just keep running? And that those were like ongoing things, which I think mm -hmm. will probably follow this family for a while. But yeah, th that might be more of a theme for this movie specifically because at the end, Jake goes, and we're gonna stay and fight. I thought I could run and keep safe, but when the fight's coming to you, you sometimes have to fight back, essentially. Um, and it, yeah. that's literally like the closing theme. And then it closes in on his face and he opens his eyes. Um, yeah. As far as the kids being different, the Tulkun being different, the kids being outcast, we literally have, uh, which also might become, uh, it, it is a theme in this movie for sure. They didn't fully spell it out, but when you look at it, you have this wide variety and diversity of characters where Natiri is a Navi and of that group that goes, she's the only full-blood Navi person. We've got mm -hmm. Jake, who goes from being a human to a Navi, which I think the understanding is he's fully Navi, but he's got the five-finger thing. Mm -hmm. They then have three kids who are the same hybrid of Jake and Atiri, who are pretty much similar to Jake in the fingers and the... Um, but they are born that way, whereas Jake was transformed that way. So that's a third variation. We then have Sigourney Weaver's characters, Sully, uh, Sully their daughter, and... Here. Um, thank you. Yes. Their daughter. And that person is another version of all of that. And then we have Spider, the white kid, who is just a human who's raised um, in Pandora... Yeah. among the navi and so there's there's so many different variations and i think and then we need to see people who's a totally different group in this world um and it's an ongoing thing which was true in the first one too 
do we accept this outsider who seems to have the best intentions? Can we trust them? And I think it was a very pertinent theme of the first one is you look like the people who are trying to kill us. Are you my enemy? And that's something that humans deal with, you know, in, in various ways and have historically for a long time. Um, they really lay out the gamut of it, what matters. It, it shouldn't matter how many fingers you have. It should matter, you know, your intentions and, uh, they, but I don't think they necessarily spelled it out. Like, look at how many different versions there are in this one family, including adopted kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, no. I do like that theme, though. It's it's really sweet when the outsider uh, it gets to be the one that has powers. I always I always love that. As, yeah, as no, it, nerd. yeah, no, for sure. Like I, again, every time uh, Kiri was exploring her weirdness or exploring like her bond and connection to Awa. Uh, that was so fascinating for me, and that's why like I think she is definitely one of the more interesting new characters that we were introduced to, and I really really like where where they're taking her and when they're going with with all that. Um, now let's talk about the the human aspect of it all. You know, again the the plunderers, the hunters, and all that stuff like that. The 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 colonizers, maybe we should call them, uh, because they are definitely back and they are. In the first movie, they were after a certain material, which it looks like they eventually, yeah, it looks like they eventually got because, again, as the movie was starting and as we're learning how Jake and his family is evolving and growing up and then we see them come in and firebomb the place and it looks like they, they finally got what they were looking for. Now we are coming across a new group of hunters who are hunting these giant turtle whales, whatever you want to call it, um, because their brain matter is actually used for uh, life preservation and beauty purposes because uh, it's anti-aging supposed to not a- anti age. Yeah. yeah. Which again is very, very close to home because I, I feel like, you know, <laughs> whale, whale meat and whale blubber and all that stuff like that is being used for similar situations, right? Um, shark, shark, fins and whatever the case is so it's it's very very similar to what we're seeing in, in real world right now um but you know those characters are are very special they're like soul sisters and soul brothers to the yeah. water mm-hmm. folks. and it's really really tragic when you look at it where they are the the tulkun are smarter more philosophical one of them is creating music and then the yeah. humans are going uh, yeah, let's uh, kill them so that we can live longer, <laughs> right. which is in some ways almost more perverse than the military folks who are just like, you know, ex- it, it's so gross in that way. Um, the, 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 those sea creatures, the Tolkien, like they have tattoos, they have like very mm-hmm. special close bonds. Yeah. It ends up playing a very big part in the movie later on um, with, with engaging that group of people to say, Fuck this. We're no longer selling out Jake solely to them. We're going to now fight back because yeah. you hurt one of our own. And the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the best, um, it's the hunter guy saying, Oh, they're so smart. How am I the one with the harpoon? And then Jermaine Clement, <laughs> lovely small role for the man. Flight of the. Yeah. Okay. That was weird. Um, so yeah. So Renee, something... are you there? Is, is I'm here. Okay. Yeah, no, every everything oh. is fine. Um, yeah, technical issues. Woohoo! You know, not everything is perfect. And again, this was an experiment. 
Um, and you know, at least we we could see like how things can go and all that stuff like that. But yeah, we had a, a weird glitch, so the stream had to abruptly end. But uh, let's we just decide. Let's just finish our conversation. You know, we're we're getting close to the end anyway. So if you are watching this, it's because we just re-uploaded everything. And thank you for your patience and all that stuff like that. And thank you for those who joined and was watching live when we were streaming there. But uh, continuing the conversation, so uh, you know, we we're talking about the the hunters and the you know you had a you brought up Jermaine Clement, which I think was uh, really interesting and funny to see him there. Jermaine. Yes. John Main, sorry, John Main. Yes. yes. One half William of Flight, Flight of the, the Conquerors. Uh-huh. Loved seeing him. Not a big role. Could have used more. I think he's probably super dead based on what happened to their boat. <laughs> uh, but that was a satisfying conclusion for sure. Well, definitely the one guy lost his arm completely um as he got ripped off. Um wow. very horrific, yeah. Wow. What a scene. This movie was definitely more brutal in ways. And like the last one, they would show like a tree burning and it being very sad and people mm-hmm. fleeing it. This one like was a little bit more graphic and violent, especially if it is the more family oriented one. Yeah. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that they raised the stakes. And I think people are so much more desensitized now than they were for the mm-hmm. last one. I've seen an arm get ripped off by a turtle who was uh, tired of being harpooned. A Tolkien. Sorry. Sorry to the Tolkien community. <laughs> um, seeing him absolutely fuck up the hunter was so so satisfying. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so I mean, basically, all those hunting people pretty much met their demise like towards the end there. Um, and it was really interesting too because I felt like Cameron kind of had his Titanic moment in this movie with uh, <laughs> the big climactic ending as this airship was kind of sinking and, you know, flipping as it's sinking. And it just, it brought back memories of Titanic there. And, you know, there, you know, you had the big showdown between Jake and um, w- w- Stephen Lang's character. What, what's his name again? I, I keep forgetting. Yo, yeah. This, this movie isn't doing enough plot and character development necessarily for me to really put it all. <laughs> the fact that you got a couple of the kids' names, I was like, oh, wow, very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, Colonel Quaritch, I guess that's Stephen Lang's character. Uh, yeah, Colonel Miles Quaritch, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they finally had their big showdown and all that. Um, obviously, earlier on, we learned that, I guess, Spider is his son, um, you know, who he doesn't really seem to care that much about, but kind of does. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I was really disappointed that the kid saved him. Um, mm. yeah, I, I was kind of like, mm. just leave him to die already. You know, he didn't care about you and all that, but I guess Spider still had it in him to to do the right thing and save him, but still left him after he saved him. You know, so he's definitely still around. We just don't know what's going to happen with him afterwards if you're a spider you really want there to be another movie because that's kind of like all you got going on right now <laughs> so it kind of is in your best interest to save the big bad who i honestly thought okay maybe they die out now uh and this franchise has shown they're willing to kill off yeah or at least kill slash reincarnate some big characters mm-hmm. so far i went into this movie thinking okay the stakes are real if 
Sigourney Weaver's character and Stephen Lang's character can die. And yet both actors are definitely still in this thing in just like new ways. Yeah. I don't think that at least they're not killing him yet. So that might be the big bad all throughout the whole franchise. Right. I'm kind of curious. My other theory was maybe they turn him into a POW situation. There's a version of the next movie where he is tamed and realizes the air of his ways and becomes like part of the group. And we've seen it's rare, but we see movies do that sometimes. Sure. Where the bad guy goes, now I'm going to be your friend. And that would be that would be comedy gold to watch him have to be uh, have to be like a, a more uh, like nicer version of himself and biting his tongue and trying to like be polite. What, what was right. that thing again? I'm doing my best, y'all. Sorry. Like doing yeah. that in his blue blue face. Well, well, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure he he has to he'll get humbled because now he has to survive on his own. All of his other Avatar army buddies are dead. You know, oh, and God. they all and they all up. died brutally Good too. Deaths. Yeah, Great wow. Yeah, all, mostly by the hand of uh, Neytiri. You know, because Yo, she went berserk. Her mama bear. Yeah, when she sat and crying because her boy dies. Yeah, and then she, he goes, "Please, I need you to be strong. Please, please." And she looks up. Mm-hmm. I go. Oh no! Oh, it's on! It's on! They yeah. are about to get messed up. Yeah, and and they had their two daughters in captivity. Yep. And so she's about, and she just tears them up. Which last time she, we thought Jake might kill the colonel, and then she's the one who actually puts the bows and arrows in. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this one, I was curious how they would handle that, and we get to watch Jake. Jake wins the fight for sure. Yeah. Colonel's down and out underwater. Should be dead. Uh, but gets saved by the sun. But Natiri basically fucks up almost oh my God. everybody else. Brutally. Brutally. Like not given proper good action. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like like you said, like a lot of the stakes were definitely raised in this movie, you know, especially like you know, we we definitely saw a lot more uh brutal deaths, a lot more violence. Um and I think you kind of had to do something like that to kind of raise the bar from the last movie, right? And and it also was, you're appealing to a different audience now um, from 13 years ago, right? So I, I guess it's like an evolution in a way. That plus the last one, we a lot of the deaths were just waiting till the big final battle at right. the end, and it was the fog of war. And so it's the thing where you see 13 people get demolished over here and then a tank and then it's, but it's moving quick. This one was more intimate action scenes. Yeah. And some of my favorite things, cause it happens early on too, where the kids go off, they see um, where the original final battle took place. And then mm-hmm. Stephen Lang is coming upon that also. And then he finds the kids when they're tracking um, that, that scene when they're, kids being held hostage by Stephen Lang, and then they have to get out of it. And yeah. watching the family, kind of like Quiet Place type energy, with the family like silently communicating and knowing, uh-huh. okay, you need to come save me now, and we're going to be on the same page and on the count of three. I always love seeing some good, coordinated, well-communicated action scenes where, okay, at this exact moment, this kid bites him on the arm, this kid runs yep. that way. Some really good scenes like that. And it was another running theme of the movie was the kids get themselves into trouble and they have to get bailed out. And that's a driving force of the movie. And then the other one being that the kids are being held hostage by the big bad. Um, 
of of Colonel. I almost want to say Quidditch. That's a Harry Potter thing. Sorry, Miles. Uh, just call him Miles. Yeah, our old buddy Miles. Yeah. Um, seeing seeing them get taken hostage, and he's. It is an old trope in action movies. We can't kill them. We need them alive, and we're going to use them as bait. So then, mm-hmm. it just gives us a lot of good action uh, moments uh, all throughout. And so, to where one of the daughters gets hostaged, hostaged twice, and at the end, the oh no, I'm in handcuffs again. How did this that happen? That was so funny. Yeah, and that's why Natiri has to go back and just. I'm so glad the kids got caught another time because man, oh she God. fucked shit up. Yeah, solid action sequence. Man, she yeah, she went bananas and berserk mode for sure, and it was just really, really fascinating and and fun to see. Um, but yeah, so I guess we we could just talk about how the movie ends. I mean, the one person that died that we know probably will not come back is the oldest son uh, from the Sully clan. Um, with an unfortunate death as he was trying to save his brother and all that, and and. It was one of those situations that I knew it happened to. It's like mm. as he dove into, you saw that he kind of got hit, and yeah. and as he landed in the water, he was like already like holding himself. I was just like, oh no, don't tell me that this is gonna yeah. be. Um, so it was, and that was a very emotional moment for sure because again, all the kids saw it, and obviously, the great thing that Zoe Saldana does as Neytiri in this franchise so far is that she can scream very well. She has this like primal scream that she does. We saw it when her dad died. We saw it when, you know, the first time the, the attack on the forest and the tree, how she was screaming like, like, like mad. And now with her own son dying and, and, you know, there again, that primal rage scream that she does. Um, it's like a, uh, it's almost at this part. Of, uh, this time, it's like a trademark of hers uh, in this franchise. Seriously, she's got to be one of the most successful motion capture actresses of all time. <laughs> when you combine Avatar and Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers stuff, where in the box office numbers she is up there high, but if you went with motion capture only, yeah. you don't see their face necessarily. Like, which actually, I don't even know. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy is maybe screen paint. I I don't know. But I think that's really man, her. She's, yeah. yeah. Okay. She is really, really good at that, though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So their morning, they they basically hold like a traditional funeral for the son. Um, but then the movie ends with them, you know, going to the the tree there to kind of uh, tap into uh, Awa to, I guess, visit the memories of the son. You know, because the the consciousness is now within the tree, within the land, and all that. Um, a very, very cute sentimental moment as, you know, Jake is being flashed with images of the son being young and then being an adult, uh, being a teenager. And then, you know, you have Neytiri watching it all happen. Um, again, one of the common things that you brought up was the Sully stick together, right? And that was something that they had, they realized even more so at the end that their family bond has to be very tight and strong in order to move on and survive. And like you said, the big thing that was like kind of finally realized is that instead of running and hiding, they have to stand up and fight. And that's how they're going to have to move on, you know, moving forward and all that. Now, what is the big uh, enemy that's going to be happening again moving forward? I'm pretty sure it has to do with Sky People once again. You know, whatever the case is, we still have Stephen Lang's character like somewhere. 
um, as he did his, you know, Darth Vader escape from the first Star Wars movie and all that. Um, but yeah, the Sullys are now accepted by the water people. They are now family with them. So it doesn't look like they're going to go back to the forest or maybe they will. We don't know. I feel like the forest people kind of got abandoned by these guys. Um, <laughs> I hope, so. I hope they're okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen him in three hours. <laughs> no. I mean, it was just really funny how it's just like, we got to go into hiding. All right. Peace out, y'all. And... <laughs> Siri's <laughs> brother is in charge. And my assumption yeah. is this will be one of those where they round up everybody at some final movie, or at least one or two movies from now, where now all yeah. like um, in the first Black Panther movie, where now all the different groups of people have to come together and fight the the common enemy. Similar yeah. in Avatar 1 when all the animals and the Na'vi join together. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see something like that. The, the assumption you made that the oldest son is dead is probably accurate based on the fact they had a funeral. Yeah. But also, we had um, a, a death scene for a couple characters that are in this movie. Uh, so that I'm curious about, but I'm pretty sure that character is dead. They have to have stakes at some point. Yeah. And then, otherwise, like, the next one might not be Sky People. Uh, in theory, it could be against another group. I don't think it would yeah. be like animals or whales or something like that, but like at some point, they might switch that up because it then becomes all sky, sky people versus all not, mm-hmm. you know, for all of the movies. And, and that would be, I, I, I would be interested if they switched it up and we saw a different version of fighting. And maybe the next one's not even a fighting movie. Maybe it's a nature documentary. Maybe Because we definitely <laughs> had a lot of nature documentary in this one. Maybe it's just like they're exploring. Maybe it's more of like a, an adventure comedy. Let's see. Yeah. That'd be fun. An adventure comedy, yeah. That'll, yeah. that'll be that'll be something for sure. <laughs> um, a western. Who knows? Yeah. You know, maybe it's going to be, you know, another coming of age flick, you know, where it's just like on Pandora, um, you know, boyhood or whatever. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Just an indie drama of Sigourney yeah. Weaver's character. Yeah, her search for her soul and yeah, and yeah, and, uh, and probably, belonging and fitting in, you know. Yeah, probably there will be some more big battle scenes. I'm assuming. I, I I'm curious what the future holds on those. I I was looking it up because we were we were kind of speculating earlier. Mm-hmm. The they're basically planning on doing every couple years. So December yeah. 2024, December 2026, December 2028 for three, four, and five. And then also this year, James Cameron said he has plans for a sixth and seventh if there is demand. Which honestly, if you want to spend your retirement years just pumping out avatars every couple of years, what I kind of wish they did was more of what they done with Matrix Two, Three, where they are released a year out. And the, I think the Star Wars, there's different franchises where they'll just kind of like, they're, they're, they film them together. Yeah. I don't love the one where it's wait every two years. And then if there's a flop, you're talk, like, or if one of them isn't as successful, like it's, it can drag pretty quickly. But you also let the demand build up, which was kind of part of the problem Star Wars had. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe in two years, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll learn who's really dead, who's alive, where they came from, and who they're going to fight next. Um, the sky people want because Giovanni Rubisi's character is still out oh, there. Oh, still and around. I bet that guy yep. still wants to make money yep. off of Pandora. Maybe he'll fight um, the Colonel at the next one, or he'll have a new person fight the Colonel. E. Falco's dead, right? That was another interesting, famous person who wasn't in it for very long. Right. 
I mean, did we see them for, get wiped first, out? I thought I saw a woman get wiped out in a mech suit, but it might not have been them. I don't think so. I think I think Edie Falco escaped somehow. But I mean, how jarring was that when you saw her on the screen too? I wasn't expecting her to yep. be in this movie, and Didn't I was like, "No, it was her for a second because I was yeah, so shook." Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, look, it's a soprano." Um, but yeah, I was Nurse just, Jackie. Well, or or, or really, Nurse Jackie. I really enjoyed that show. Oh, it's an HBO miniseries, uh, right? Yeah. But uh, but I don't know. She yeah. may have survived. But uh, but yeah, uh, there's definitely going to be another threat. It'll be interesting if they face a threat that's actually from Pandora. You know, like maybe yeah. maybe an underground civilization or or some or some rogue Navi that we didn't we haven't been told about or something like that. But and then that's who Stephen Lang uh, hooks up with and said, oh, you guys are poor and you're not having enough food and all that stuff. Well, I know who's taking up all the resources. We need to attack Ooh, this group. And okay. it becomes like a, you know, Navi on Navi kind of battle royal. Yeah, and at some point, in theory, Jake might go back and be like, hey, you remember when I was king? Can I get that crown yeah, back? Yeah, can I get and that there back? Could some, there could be some um, Black Panther inner fighting drama of who should be in charge, <laughs> and they got to battle it out for, for the you know boss mode. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It could go a no, lot of different sure. directions, which is saying a lot for, for a franchise that's you yeah. know accused of being too simple. I mean, and, and the fact that he already has, what, three in mind already so far so i'm sure it can go to many different directions but again very curious as to what all of you think how you know if you were planning to watch the movie i'm sure if you've watched this or listened to this you've watched it already by now what were your thoughts on the movie uh, agree disagree with any of our takes on it let us know what your favorite moments were where are you expecting this franchise to go from here Definitely curious. If you're not a fan, are you planning to watch the movie now? Or were you never wanting to watch the movie in the first place? Let us know all about that stuff in the comments. But as we're closing out this special Avatar edition of Movie Time that was once live and now it's not, as we <laughs> about to say goodbye, Blake, where can people find you online? I'm on letterbox.com under the screen name Blake Wolf SSN. B-L-A-K-E-W-O-L-F-S-S-N, where I gave Avatar The Way of Water four stars out of five. Nice. Nice. Um, I think my rating would probably be in, in the same alignment as you. I, I, I think four stars is a good rating for this movie. Um, it's got four on Letterboxd in general, which actually surprised me. Yeah, uh, Metacritic has it around 70% of the Letterboxd fandom mm-hmm. is, uh, is giving it high marks so far. That says says good things. I I, again, not surprised, especially based off the early word that I heard, you know, and I read about uh, when the screeners were were being handed out and and all that stuff like that. But as for me, Loki Geek, you could find me on Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, especially and most importantly on YouTube. Again, if you haven't done so already, hit that like, subscribe buttons if you haven't done so already, notification bell so you can get notified every time a new video is uploaded. Audio listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for an audio version of this and many other things that we do here, just type out Loki Geek on your podcast platform of choice where you can download this and all the other stuff. With that being said, I'm Renee. That's been Blake. This has been Movie Time. And we just talked about Avatar, Way of the Water. So thank you so much for watching, tuning in. Stay cool, stay classy, stay sane. 
We'll catch you all in the next one. Peace out, y'all.